Good morning. Have you ever been on a long road trip or in a short one really where when you're driving, you start to notice the bumper stickers on the cars around you. I recently drove my children and I to North Carolina. So I spent about 11 hours driving through nothing, just miles and miles of interstate. And so to entertain myself, um, I started paying attention to the bumper stickers on the cars that were around me. Some of them are funny and they give you insight into the things that are important to the drivers. Save the trees. My child is smarter than your honor student. Those types of little sayings that um, kind of make you laugh and give you an idea of, of what the person um, believes or feels like. Well, sometimes you see ones that have to do with matters of faith. Um, and they have what I call um, bumper sticker faith. And you get an idea of, of what their beliefs may be. So I pulled a few of my favorites. Um, be fishers of men, you catch them, he'll clean them. I bet Jesus would have used his turn signals. Honk if you love Jesus, text while driving to meet him. Try Jesus. If you don't like him, Satan will always take you back. Um, and one of my favorites, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. Um, and then I kind of chuckled. I saw this and it um, was a little thought about what it would look like if there were bumper stickers during Bible times. And it says, well, if it isn't Mary and Joseph, and then the camel stickers say, our son is an honor student. Our son is in medical school. Our son is God. The bumper stickers can be kind of a um, quick little way of just saying to people something funny about what you think or believe. Well, the problem is that some people try to reduce their principles of faith to these pithy little sayings to bumper sticker quotes. They give you little thoughts like, God never gives you more than you can handle, or the Lord helps those who help themselves. This too will pass. If God seems far away, guess who moved? The problem is most of the time, those sayings, while well-intentioned, are often incorrect. When you're in the midst of turmoil, a bumper sticker isn't going to cut it. You aren't going to be helped by a little short phrase of words. And then, like I said, some of them often are incorrect. God never gives you more than, he can than you can handle. Yeah, yes, he does. If you could handle it all, you wouldn't need a savior. The Lord helps those who help themselves. Well, yes, yes, he does but he also helps those who can't help themselves. This too will pass. Well, Psalm 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. You start to get the idea that those little sayings aren't really helpful. In our lesson today, we're gonna to be looking at some, a collection of Psalms that um, we still can experience some of the same feelings of today. 
So turn with me in your Bible to Psalm 42. We're going to start by looking at this grouping of, of psalms that we've entitled, When God Feels Far Away. Maybe the events of this year have created a crisis in your life where you found yourself asking over and over, how long will this go on? When can I come before the Lord again? When will this end? Where are you, God? What's the purpose of all of this? Well, the writers in the book of Psalms had some of these same feelings. And so we're going to take a look at these um, thoughts and find out what we can do when God feels far away. Let's take a look at an overview of the, the three psalms that we're looking at here in our lesson. Well, let's go the other way. There we go. Um, and here, here are some of the questions that you can see. Um, maybe these are familiar to you um, in recent times and you're saying, do you hear me, Lord? Why have you forgotten me? When can I come before you again? Didn't it seem like a really long time without church? And maybe your church is just now starting to reopen. Um, maybe you've been doing online services. Um, even this Bible study where it was just such um, a long time, we weren't sure what was going to happen. I think that the writers of these Psalms um, can identify with the feelings that we're having here. So let's, let's look at these overview. Here we have Psalm 42. Let's just give a little bit of history about each one. Psalm 42 is book one of the second book of Psalms. I know um, at the beginning of our um, study, we talked about how Psalm is broken up into what is considered five books. Um, and so this is 42 is the first book in the second grouping or the second book of Psalms. Um, the first book, just some little differences here. The first book uses um, the name of God, Jehovah, um, primarily. In the second book here, you're going to see that often it refers to Elohim um, when in the original language. That's the name that they use to refer to God here. Um, this psalm is called a maskal, or a, um, a teaching is what that word means there. And it says that it's for the sons of Korah. You'll remember that the sons of Korah, um, Korah was uh, reprimanded by God. He was um, killed, but his sons were um, then elevated to a place of worship. They were, they were the leaders, really, of um, worship at this time. And so they kind of became almost a chorus or a choir. Um, and so this psalm is considered to be one that was given to them to be put to music. Um, so the author's not named. Many people believe it was written by David um, and then given to the sons of Korah um, to be used as a song. Um, some people think maybe one of the sons of Korah wrote it based on some of the experiences that David had. Um, but so it was, um, it's called a mascal because it is used to instruct or it was intended to be used to teach the people a lesson, some um, biblical truth or a lesson. Um, 
Some people believe that it was written by David after Absalom defected and David was um, kind of in exile from the city of Jerusalem. He couldn't go to the temple to worship. And he was in hiding. He was feeling rejected by his own family um, and the people. Um, and so that, um, that's when they believe that they, that this psalm was written. Psalm 56 is considered, is called a Mitchum of David. Um, and that really is um, a word that means golden or um, a covering. The exact translation of the word isn't really known. Um, many people think that it was meant to represent a precious writing. Um, the idea of the definition of that word has to do with golden. And so they, they kind of have um, put together that it means a precious writing that would be stamped in gold, something that was supposed to be valued or treasured. Um, this psalm was written by David, we're told, um, when he was captured by the Philistines in Gath. So he has been captured. He's, um, if you go into Samuel to read this, the account of when he was captured, he starts to act like he was crazy. He was out of his mind. Um, and so he um, writes this song during that time period. And then Psalm 143 is again a Psalm of David. So we know the author here. Um, it was written during a time of crisis. The specific time isn't named. Um, however, there were so many different points in David's life that would be considered a, a time of crisis. Um, we can assume that he was probably in hiding, that he um, was on the run, most likely. Um, he spent a lot of time during crisis um, hiding from the pe people that were chasing him or after him. So this psalm, again, was written during a point in his life when he um, wanted God to speak to him. All of these psalms have one theme in common. What is it that you do when God feels far away? The, the idea of feeling rejected by God or feeling far away from God is kind of the central theme that we see as we move through all of these books, these Psalms, excuse me. So I wanted to look um, at some pictures of what David would have seen um, as he was in hiding. And so these are some pictures of waterfalls in Israel. Um, so some of them um, perhaps could have been ones that David would have um, been near. He would have gone um, in search of water. Um, he would have looked for a place of refuge. So he may have seen these very waterfalls. Um, this particular waterfall is um, named after David. Um, and this little river is named for the um, episode when David was hiding in the cave and Saul came in um, and David crept up behind him and cut the piece of his cloak off. Um, this is the, the waterfall where it's believed that that happened. Um, there's a little cave just, just down the river here um, that he would have seen. So David would have noticed um, the things that were going on as he was hiding in these caves. I mean, I kind of like that it gives you a picture of um, just what he might have seen. And it helps to understand some of the imagery that he uses um, in, in these psalms. So let's talk about what to do when God seems far away. I hope you've had good discussion through your um, questions about how God um, interacts with us and about what it means, what those questions are, 
when it feels like God is far away. But so let's really look at what, what should you do? How did David handle it? And what, what can we learn from the, the process of feeling like God is far away? One thing that's important to note is that it should be an encouragement that David, who's considered a man after God's own heart, felt like God was far away. David was considered handsome. He was a warrior. He was beloved by the people when, remember, they chanted and made, wrote songs for him. Um, he, by all accounts and purposes, was successful and did things right. Um, he was named the king of Israel by God. God um, raised him up from his, his lowly status as a shepherd um, to become the king of Israel. So if you look from outward appearances, David had everything going for him on the outside. However, he struggled with feelings of inadequacy. He struggled with feeling like God was far away. And when turmoil happened, um, he really started questioning God. So looking at um, the things that he says to God, and we're going to look in Psalm 42 here, um, we can take some ideas of how we can handle it um, when God feels far away. The first thing I think that it's important to do is to go directly to God. We see in Psalm 42, verse 1, he starts off, he says, I long for you, O God. Um, in verse 6, he says, Oh, my God, I am deeply distressed. He's talking to God. He's um, referring straight to God. In Psalm 53, he says, be merciful to me, O God. In Psalm 152, he says, hear my prayer, O Lord. So I think the first thing that it's important to do if you're experiencing a time in your life when God feels far away is to go directly to God, not your friend. You don't see that he's collected his group of um, soldiers or the people that are in exile with him and started talking to them about how God felt far away. Let me go straight to God. You don't go to your neighbor. Don't go to Facebook. Go directly to God. And what does he do once he goes to God? The second thing is to pursue. He pursues the living water that only God can provide. When you're thirsty, only water can quench your thirst. When God feels far away, self-help books aren't going to quench your thirst. Books about living your best life are useless at that point. You don't need self-help. You need God help. The Bible tells us in John 6:35, I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who ever comes to no one who comes to me, excuse me, will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. John 4.14 says, whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty again. I will give him water that will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. If you're going to pursue the living water that God provides, it requires actions. We see in Psalm 42 in the first few verses there, it says that the deer is longing for the streams of water. He's panting for the water. And you can imagine from those pictures of David hiding in a cave or hiding near a source of water that he perhaps saw these deer um, coming to the water to drink this quiet stream. 
that he would have been reminded of how he needs to pursue the living water that God provides. So we need to be a person of action. Pursue God. The ver- even the verses in John are verses that require action. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, that means we have to have an active part in it. We have to believe in him. We have to drink from the water. If God feels far away, we need to be actively pursuing him. The next thing that David does, and I think is an important thing for us to do as well, is to tell God what you're feeling. Don't hide from God. Don't try to act like everything's okay. We we tend to do that. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Yep, things are great. We have this idea sometimes that we need to put on a happy front or that um, it would be a disservice if we admitted that we're struggling. David is not shy in telling God exactly what's going on. Psalm 56.1, he says, man has trampled upon me. He oppresses me all day long. In 56.5, he says, they're distorting my words. Their thoughts against me are evil. We can be honest with God and with ourselves about what's going on in our lives. Sometimes when... Um, We ask someone how they're doing or what's going on. We don't really want them to be honest. Have you ever had a person at the grocery store, the checkout cash, and they're like, how are you doing? You're not going into a 20-minute dissertation on the struggles or the feelings that you're having. But I think that God expects it. First of all, God already knows how we're feeling. So being honest and by telling God exactly how you're feeling, it does a couple things. First of all, it helps you be transparent. God already knows he wants you to come to him, to ask and to talk to him. But also it helps you pinpoint exactly what's going on. Sometimes we can feel things. We know that something's wrong. We're in turmoil. We're upset. But until we sit down and actually go through the process and discern what exactly we're feeling, it's easy to overlook it. And it's easy to have a a wrong idea about what's going on. So be honest with what's, what's happening in your life. The next thing that we can do when God feels far away is to remember the past. We see um, many times through these three Psalms that David starts remembering things that have happened in the past. In Psalm 42, 4, he says, I went to the house of God. I remember when I went to worship. You remember when you went to worship? Doesn't it feel like a long time ago in this very strange season that we've had? But so David says, I remember when I would go and worship with other believers. Um, In 42, verse 6, he says, I'll remember you, Lord, from the mountains all the way down to the land. In Psalm 143, verse 5, he says, I remember the works of your hands. Oftentimes, we want to pray and we remind God of all the things that we've done for him. We say things like, God, I've been faithful to you, so please deliver me from this tribulation. God, I've been your witness, so please heal me. 
or God, I followed you for 32 years. Please crush my enemies. The problem is our righteousness without Christ, Isaiah tells us, is as filthy rags. On the basis of what we've done, we don't have an appeal. The only way that we can approach God is on the basis of his righteousness and his faithfulness. Psalm 143 verses 1 and 2, we see that David's crying out, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication. In your faithfulness answer me and in your righteousness. Don't enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. David realizes that if he is expecting to appear before God on his own righteousness, he's not going to measure up. No one living is righteous. But God's righteousness means that God is going to be faithful to his word. So when we appeal to God, we can approach him with a remembrance of the things that he's done for us in the past and an understanding that the same God who did those things in the past is still active today. And that based on his righteousness, he will be faithful to us and to his word. The next thing that we can do when God feels far away is to walk in faith toward the future. It's important to remember the things that God has done for us in the past, but we can't dwell there. We can't say, remember when this happened and it was so great and I really felt God moving. Can't go back to that. What we need to do is look towards the future so we can walk in faith for the things that, will God, that God will do. Psalm 42, 11 says, I will hope in God for I shall yet praise him. He's looking forward to the day when he will praise him again. 56, four says, in God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. Psalm 143.8 says, in you do I trust. In these verses, we see that David is talking to himself. Sometimes we need to give ourselves a stern talking to. In this regard, the psalmist is taking every thought captive, isn't he? He's getting his mind to line up with what he knows to be true based on what he knows about God, that God is good, God is faithful, God is trustworthy. So he can walk in faith. In Psalm 37, we see that he says, David says, a man's steps are established by the Lord. He takes pleasure in his way. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed because the Lord holds his hand. I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. So is God far away? Romans 8, 35 through 39 says, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, not height nor depth nor any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
maybe even still you're wondering why would God leave us in such a state? How can God see one of his children languishing, crying out for help? How could he do that? And that is one of the things that David really struggled with when his enemies were saying, where's your God now? Where's your God? Maybe you've experienced that where people say, I thought God loved you. Isn't God a God of love? How can he let that happen to you? Sometimes there's not a clear answer. And that is one of the hardest things to accept. But sometimes we can take comfort in the verse, uh, the words of verse chapter 40, verse 3, where David again says, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And he's talking about he, when he realizes that because he has struggled and has turned to God, that others will see and understand that God is faithful. So sometimes God may be doing a work in your life um, for the sake of bringing you closer to him. David was drawn close to God through his struggle and you have to wonder, would he have had such a deep and abiding confidence in God without the struggle? Sometimes the struggle helps you grow and learn. We see that he thought that there would be an opportunity for others to put their trust in God as they witnessed his struggle. And so sometimes that is the truth for us as well. The world doesn't need another super chipper, successful person saying, you too can live your best life now. The world needs people who have walked through darkness and come out at the other end to help them and to emphasize with what they're going through. When you're struggling with something in your life, you don't want someone who has no idea of a struggle to tell you how to make it through. It's like when um, you're young and you don't have any kids and you start telling other people how to raise their children, sometimes those parents who are seasoned will kind of roll their eyes and laugh because once you've had a child or two, you realize how wrong those ideas about parenting were. And you realize that in the trenches of parenthood, your ideas of I'll never let my child have candy. My child will always go to bed on time. Those types of things, when you're struggling with a parenting need or issue, you're not going to go to someone with no kids and ask them how to handle it. You're going to go find the parents who are seasoned with gray hair and a steely determination in their eyes um, who have been through a struggle. That's who you need to talk to when you are struggling with with parenting. The same thing happens here. When you're struggling with an issue in your life or with um, times where God feels far away, you want to talk to someone else who's been through the same thing so that they can give you an encouraging word, that they can tell you that God is still there. And so David, the recordings of these Psalms in David do just that for us, don't they? They remind us that amidst all of the things that David went through, he struggled with feeling like God was far away. 
what an encouragement that can be to us when we look around and feel like God is far away for David to say, yet I will still trust him. That can help us to know we too can still trust God. The verse that I have on the screen here in Psalm 42.7 is perhaps one of my favorites in these three chapters. Um, because in the midst of David saying, why, why, why? And I picture him hiding in one of the caves near a waterfall. And he says, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. He would have thought, I believe, of how it feels as though, just like standing at the bottom of a waterfall, the waves were pouring down over him and trouble was coming one after another after another. And it was pounding down on him and you can't escape it. But he also realized that the waterfall was God's. So just like at the beginning of Psalm 42, where he said, I'm like a deer panting for the water. Well, a deer isn't going to go to the base of a waterfall to drink. He's going to go to the still, gentle water. That water belongs to God. But David says here, your waterfall. So he realized that this overwhelming, crushing blow of water also belongs to God. He says, your waves and billows have gone over me. The same God who controls the gentle river also holds the roaring waterfalls and waves in his hands. We can trust that even though God feels far away, he knows exactly where we are. We need to prep for those days of darkness during times of light. That's why it's so important to memorize scripture, to get those um, words of truth into our hearts so that when you're standing under the crushing waves of a waterfall, when the roar is all you can hear, when the taunts of people around you and the attacks of an enemy fill your ears, the deep abiding knowledge of God's word will fill your heart and mind. I hope that as we went through these three Psalms that you were encouraged, that you saw a way you too can feel as though, even if it seems as though God is far away, he's still there with you, that he has never left you nor abandoned you. Like it says in Romans 8, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. I hope also that it reminds you that when you see someone who's struggling that oftentimes our bumper sticker faith, our little, you can get through this, isn't going to be enough. We, we want people to just get over it, snap out of it, move on. You'll be fine. We want to say these words to them. And sometimes we mean them with the best of intentions. But sometimes the best thing that you can do is to simply come alongside them and say, God is here. God is with you, and you will make it through this with God's help.